0: Hey everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the third episode. Shout out Jamie Young, number three, Fred Vegas, Blue Devils. The third episode of the Next Level Podcast, the podcast that helps athletes get to the next desired level of play. What is going on, everyone? Nick Harper here. I just want to thank you for tuning in to the past episodes and this episode that I have put out on the podcast so far. I've been receiving a lot of feedback from people who have listened and it's been great. I've been learning a lot and I'm excited to uh continue to grow this podcast and hope to uh you know help the younger generation of athletes out there. Before we get going um for this episode, I just want to say to congrats to the uh college graduates out there who have were supposed to have their graduation coming up either this week or, you know, last week. Um, Especially my uh, Fredonia boys, the guys who graduated Fredonia this year. Um, It's unfortunate that your uh, senior spring got cut short due to the pandemic that's going on. But um, it's quite an accomplishment. So all you college grads out there, um, congrats and uh, you should be proud of yourself. Before we get into our guest, I just want to talk a little sports this year. And you know what? I'm not sure, just like everyone else, not sure what's going to happen. heard lots of rumors selfishly I would love to have the major sports all going on at the same time but uh, it doesn't look like that's the case hopefully baseball starts up sometime in the in the summer it's looking like that's going to be a reduced schedule Um, if they they can get to 82 games or so you know 81 if they could cut the season in half you know uh, I think I'd be okay with that it still gives you a good amount of baseball to watch and, um, you know, it's still decent amount of games to determine, you know, playoff spots and, you know, get the postseason arranged. Um, hopefully golf comes back soon. I'm looking forward to, I believe it's May 24th, the, uh, the golf match between, who was it, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Brady and Phil. Uh, looking forward to that, looking forward to uh, getting some sports back, back in, uh, in my boring life here. Um, I'm going going with Tiger and Peyton. Uh, hopefully they can pull it out. Um, I think you can get. I don't, I'm not sure what the talk with golf is. If uh, you know if you hear anything, you know let me know. Message me um, about what you think the golf season's gonna look like. They're gonna start up tournaments with no audience. Um, you know hopefully they get that going soon. it be you know I miss watching golf. Uh, lastly with hockey, I have no idea what they're gonna do. At this point, the uh, the AHL, the American Hockey League, just canceled the rest, the remainder of their season. Um, You know, selfishly, I hope that doesn't happen for the NHL. I'd love to be watching hockey in August. However, I think if that ends up being the case, then the start of next season has to get pushed back as well, rather than starting preseason in September and the regular season in October um and I don't know if I want that so I think best case would be you know just get it over with cancel the rest of this season and hopefully we can pick up right back in October but you know what do I know we're just gonna have to play this one day at a time and see what happens so with that being said I'd like to introduce to you the third guest of our podcast here and um it was Charlie Bertrand and he just did a fantastic job um, throughout this interview. He provided a lot of great information about the sport of lacrosse, um, easy to talk to easy to li- easy to listen to. You can tell he has such a strong passion for the sport. Um, he's got a crazy path to how he got to the competitive level, the competitive levels. He's at right now. Which, I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, Division One player who got drafted to the MLL. You know, it's pretty impressive stuff for the sport, lacrosse, that just continues to grow throughout the United States. Uh, Charlie talks about youth lacrosse growing up. Talks about playing travel lacrosse, high school lacrosse. You know, what it takes to get recruited, how he got recruited, and how he had the success he had. At the high levels of lacrosse, so for those lacrosse fans, lacrosse players out there, this is a great interview to tune into. Um, you know, like like I mentioned, provides so many you know great points, good information. I personally, I knew a little bit about the lacrosse process, but you know, not not a lot. And hearing him talk was it was great for me. I you know learned a tremendous amount, and I know um, you guys tuning in will learn just as much if not more. So I'm going to send it over to him right now. Once again, here's Charlie Bertrand. Alright, I am joined with Charlie Bertrand, who is currently a college lacrosse player at the University of Virginia. Charlie is the third guest on the Next Level podcast. He grew up in Baldensville, New York, was a multiple sport athlete growing up, ended up playing for Baldensville High School. From there, he went on to play three years at Merrimack, which was Division II. He won two national titles, has one runner-up. His uh, freshman year, he was Rookie of the Year in his conference. Um, after his success at Merrimack, he was drafted 44th overall in the MLL draft to the Connecticut Hammerheads, uh, and now he's waiting to play his final year for the ACC Powerhouse Virginia, who has eight national titles, which I heard was pretty decent, so, and after all that, most importantly, he is a former captain of the Baldensville Bees varsity hockey team. Charlie, what's going on, man?
1: Nick, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. <laughs>
0: yeah man oh well it's uh yeah I appreciate you coming on this was this is huge for you know the younger uh viewers um you know because you've been through a lot playing and obviously had a ton of success um so first I just want to ask you kind of uh you know how did you start playing lacrosse and around what age were you
1: uh fourth grade is when I first started playing so uh obviously played hockey my whole life so that was uh my main sport growing up but Obviously, Syracuse is a big area for lacrosse and had two older brothers that played the sport. So picked up a stick in fourth grade and kind of ran with it from there.
0: Yeah, and that's that's very common. You see lacrosse and hockey players, you know, you play one sport. Um, you know, you see them play lacrosse from hockey or hockey from lacrosse. They uh, you know have their similarities. I was a weirdo who played baseball and hockey, and yeah, probably because I was a goalie. But um, so around fourth grade, so what's that, like 10 years old, 11 years old?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Sounds about right so I remember youth lacrosse around here being it was bowl and then ULA is that how you started Were you playing ULA,
1: mm-hmm. ULA yeah yep.
0: so can you explain kind of just what that is it's basically it's kind of like just youth youth Across league right
1: yeah exactly it's just like any uh youth league baseball or anything like that the the difference is um you you kind of represent baldwinsville which is cool it's not like uh as, and that's because it's a growing sport. Uh, there's multiple Beeville teams, but you go out and you play all the other other uh, teams in other areas. And uh, where baseball, it's kind of all Ballsville. They get in one area, and you you play as the lug Nuts or uh, <laughs> like all those teams. So it, it's cool that it's growing to the point where there's multiple teams in one area. But it's also cool that you can play play those uh, rival schools.
0: Yeah, that is cool. I didn't I didn't know that. That um, you know, it's kind of like. Growing up, you had played youth hockey. It's kind of similar to that. You're playing for you know the region, and it's kind of cool. You get a little traveling at a at a young age. So that's uh, like you said, it was very cool. I didn't know that. Um, so growing up, so ULA from fourth grade until what age?
1: Uh, for ULA. Yeah. Yep. That goes till you can play in seventh grade, but seventh grade is also when modified starts.
0: Okay, so you'd play that, you play ULA from fourth grade up to seventh grade, and then you'd go right into school lacrosse, which was, you know, it modified freshman, JV, and varsity here um, in Beeville. Um, did you play any uh, travel teams when you weren't in the school season?
1: Yeah, so there's always, uh, Beeville always had uh, one or two tournaments every summer that they got everyone involved in, but I also played for the Finger Lakes travel team, which was a uh, It was a lot of fun because there was a lot of local guys and a lot of guys from Beeville as well. So um, that did a lot for me in terms of enjoying the game and being able to see different places and travel. But it wasn't until after sophomore year that I played club for Team United. And that's kind of where I got recruited a little bit more. And those are the types of club teams that cost a little more money. And I think that's one of the flawed areas of of recruiting and kind of growing up and playing travel is – a lot of times, if you want to get looked at in those club teams, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, to spend money. Time, exactly. But at the same time, especially in an area like this, near Syracuse or whether it be Maryland or anywhere along the East Coast, a lot of times you can play for your own high school throughout the summer and still get recruited.
0: Okay. So that, that was one thing I had questions about was I understood, you know, there were travel teams, but I wasn't quite sure how, um, like, the schedule worked out. So. Um, how many months would that travel season go? Let's start with, um, you know, your Finger Lakes team. How uh, how long was that season? That would go from
1: June through August.
0: June. Okay, so just the whole the summer months. And then yeah. for the United team, was that any longer, or was that the same span, just kind of different travel and different competition?
1: So they had the summer team, and then you also could play on the fall team. So they had a little bit more options because you do – a few tournaments in like October, November area. So that was also a cool option.
0: Okay. So, and, and growing up in high school, so you said, you know, we played hockey together, obviously played lacrosse. So that's winter and spring. So in the fall, was that dedicated to fall lacrosse?
1: Yeah. uh, It it was dedicated a little bit more once I was in high school, but playing hockey uh, usually started in I think September, October. So, growing up through eighth ninth grade it was usually dedicated to hockey
0: okay that's what uh and that's what i love about you know at like athletes who play at high levels they play multiple sports growing up and then you know you just you decide to focus on a sport like you you continue to play multiple sports but like today you see people like seventh graders like okay i'm committing to a certain sport you're like yeah. you're 13, 14 years old, like get up, be active. You look at all these professional players, you know, they played a ton of sports. So yeah, it's good to hear that you, uh, you know, played multiple sports growing up. Yeah. Um, you, you refer to lacrosse in central New York and Northeast region. Can you just um, describe kind of the popularity about lacrosse in this region compared to, let's say, you know, the West coast or even down South?
1: Yeah, well, I think it has a a big deal to do with, um, obviously, uh, a huge part of lacrosse is on the reservations, and the Native Americans started playing at first, and uh, we definitely have the Onondaga Reservation as well as in Buffalo, they have it, but also outside of that, you look at a a school like Syracuse that had such a presence in lacrosse, and I think that uh, did a lot for the youth programs growing up, and, and then... Down in Maryland, there's, there's a bunch of schools, whether it be Johns Hopkins, Loyola, that, that also spread it that way. And you, you see it start to move out more to the West Coast. Teams like Denver are, are really taking that next step. They they won the national championship in 2015, I believe. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's cool to see the game spreading.
0: Yeah, no, that is unreal. And, you know, being from Central New York, you see um, – we'll get into your high school career shortly, but I just remember seeing a bunch of guys from Beaville, from West Tennessee, from the Syracuse area – you know, go on to play D1. So you would say that, like, Northeast lacrosse right now is – it would be considered the powerhouse, kind of best of the best, at least the best region in the U.S., would you say right now?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that. And there's also along the whole East Coast. So there's a bunch of good lacrosse all the way up and down. But there are some hotbeds now popping up in Colorado, as I mentioned, and and California as well. But it's not as as versatile as it is here where every single town has, has a team that can compete.
0: Right, and playing competitively competitively like you have. Um, it's gotta be cool to see that the sport you love is uh, is growing. For sure. um, so at, at Beeville, um, how was your how was your experience playing high school across?
1: It was awesome. I mean, uh, high school across, high school hockey, whatever it is, it's it's awesome to play with the guys that you grew up with and your neighbors and, and being able being able to represent the school that you played for and uh, kind of like how I said as you get older, a little bit more of the Beville happens in, in the summer and the fall. And uh, Coach Wilcox took over that program. So he's expanding that even more and trying to get us into pretty good tournaments over the summer and fall to try to get our kids recruited. But uh, high school was some of the best years of my life. So, so much fun.
0: Yeah, well said, man. There's nothing like just you know, playing with your buddies, um, having a good time, enjoying your uh, final years in high school. And, you know, you guys were always contenders, you know, always had solid teams. Um, Can you explain how you got recruited to play at Merrimack from either high school or that United travel team you mentioned?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the United travel team did a lot for me. The uh, head coach is Rick Beardsley. He has connections everywhere. And uh, Merrimack never saw me play. I had a a highlight film from two days that I I went to a showcase. And that's another big thing about recruiting is – At this day and age, I think it does do a lot to go to showcases and not necessarily showcases at specific schools, but the showcase I went to was for the whole upstate region. So you get 50, 60 college coaches there that can all watch you play. I think that's great exposure. But uh, when I went to go visit Merrimack, I... um, Hadn't gotten recruited too much, and I kind of just fell in love with the school. Had a good relationship with the coach, and they were one of only a few schools that wanted me, so it was kind of like they had engineering, small campus vibe, and kind of just clicked, so I went for it.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about your experience there, If I want to backtrack, because I'm excited that, um, well, I'm glad that you brought up showcases, because my last episode, we had a college baseball player talk about baseball showcases. And so our lacrosse showcases, would you consider them kind of like a big, like a big tryout experience, but not for one team? Can you explain like what uh how a lacrosse showcase is, uh, is run?
1: It's exactly like that. And um, actually it's funny. Cause I would say that I went to two showcases and one of them was the Under Armour All-American underclassmen tryouts. So it was actually oh, wow. a tryout okay. showcase because at the end of the two days or three days, whatever it was, uh, they picked the top fifty players and they played a game. So it's almost like you made the top two teams, you play a game, and then they they select a team from there. But the uh, the other showcase was very similar. In the first couple of days, they just didn't
0: narrow it down at the end. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, you stress the importance of going to those showcases, and you know what the what's the worst that can happen, right? You're getting your name out there. You're competing with the best of the best. Um, you know, it's good to know that you tried. And that's kind of like my goal for listeners is just kind of give them the confidence and encourage them to go to these showcases because, you know, it worked out great for you. You said that Merrimack was one of the only schools that wanted you, which is crazy when you, you know, you heard my intro, man. It's a couple of natty titles, rookie of the year, like playing division one at ACC and it's, you know, that's a pretty cool story. So let's get into Merrimack. Um, so you talked about how you got recruited. You liked the school. Um, you know, why were you guys so successful?
1: So I walked in at a great time. It was, it was a good culture. And uh, they had just lost in the final four the year before I got there. So it was a, a great group of seniors that were very motivated to to get to the national championship. That was the ultimate goal. And uh, I came in not knowing where I'd fit. I, I didn't know if I'd just be on man up or maybe get some playing time, and I ended up solidifying a starting spot and kind of just ran with it. Had a great freshman year. Uh, we lost a close game, lost by two goals in the national championship, and then uh, that just gave us even more fire the next year coming in. And now it wasn't just seniors that were motivated. That almost got there. It was kind of the whole team. And, and coming in as a sophomore and returning, I was able to help our team get on track and, and just find those extra two goals.
0: Yeah, and that is It's so crucial and important when you, you know, whether it's a high school or college, you see the upperclassmen who like are bought into the program, truly care and are dedicated because, you know, as a rookie um, coming in, not knowing what to expect. When you see how much those guys care, you're like, okay, that's the culture here. This is why they win. This is why they're contenders. So they make it easy to buy in, you would say, right? exactly and i think one thing that i would
1: say for anyone getting recruited or looking at a school is if you can get in touch with someone that plays at the school it it's a tremendous help because a big part about that is how the seniors treat the freshmen yeah. i know my junior year it's the tightest set the tightest team i've ever been on just because the seniors and the freshmen were friends and does not matter what grade you were in there there's no hazing there's nothing like that I mean, obviously the freshman carried the balls out to practice, but that's, yeah, that's yeah. really what it is. That's the end of it. So it's a, it's good insight to find out what the
0: culture that you're going into. Sure, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when you're getting recruited, when you're talking to a coach, you know, you get the coach's perspective, but it's also important to get the player's perspective because they're the ones, you know, going through it. And, you know, the coach can tell you, you know, what you want to hear. And sometimes players – and, and it's not negative, but they tell you what it's, you know, what they're actually going through, whether it's schedule-wise, practices, workouts. So it is good to get that firsthand, um, you know, experience from those guys. Um, so let's go into uh, the national titles. So your sophomore year, um, who did you guys play in the championship? St. Leo. St. Leo. Where are they from? Uh, Florida. Florida. Florida okay so uh, how was that what was the what was the score of that game and was it you know was it a battle or how uh, how was it it was
1: 23
0: to 6 okay uh, barn burner <laughs> uh,
1: so division two is interesting because they uh like division one and division three kind of split up and seed all the teams where division two right now they do six teams from the north six teams from the south and, okay and historically, the the North is much more competitive outside of Limestone, who beat us my freshman year. And we also played junior year, but I assume we'll get to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and St. Leo just had a, se- a group of seniors that kind of just caught fire at the right time, made it to the national championship. And they're a real good team, but we... Uh, we were very good my sophomore year. We had uh, a lot of fifth year seniors on top of seniors that um, contributed, and we had a couple freshmen that came in and fit in real well. So we uh, we dominated that game, and it was kind of crazy at halftime. And I think it was eleven to one, and we were kind of just looking around. We we're like, I-, I don't know how we're gonna mess this
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of knew that. Like, yeah. it's not over till it's over. But you you get eleven to one, you get a feel. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a ring out of this. Um, yeah. Backtracking a little bit, so would you say like the like quarterfinals and semifinals? So did you play against northeastern teams there? Yeah. So okay. So we, we
1: played Le Moyne and Adelphi were our two biggest challenges.
0: Yeah. So those games were obviously probably closer than the championship, right? Yeah. yeah. So but I will most...
1: say my sophomore year was the by far the the biggest margin of victory that we had throughout all my years. We uh we kind of ran through the tournament. And, and oh, you awesome. did. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and then that's cool because you know your freshman year, you you see, you know how dedicated upperclassmen were. You know, you you just come up short winning the championship, and then as you're rolling, it's it's easy. It's like easy for you guys, but you also worked for that. It's not like you just didn't care and you just naturally were better. Like you knew the feeling of losing. You didn't want to experience that again, and then all your hard work kind of just paid off, right? Is that am I saying that correctly? Is that? Exactly.
1: I mean, it started from day one in September. I mean, just showing up 15 minutes early to every meeting and every lift and and not not overlooking any practice because you realize you only lost by two goals freshman year. How do you find those two goals? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what really pushed us through that next barrier.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you said, you know, September 1st too, or begin of September, because obviously lacrosse is a spring sport, but any sport you play in college is year round. You know, you're off season, you're you're doing lifts. Um, Do you have fall ball in college? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, lifts. So, uh, it's different for Division two and one. Uh, Division one schedule is a little bit more intense, but Division two is certainly there as well. You're doing practice and lifts. And just to circle back to what you were saying earlier about how it's important for kids to play all different sports, I think a big part of that is when you play different sports in different seasons growing up, you you love the sport and you're so excited to get to the next season and you keep it yeah. going where college now you do one sport year round and it's more of a job and more of a business sure. so think, but at that point you you're getting a scholarship if you're playing division one or two if you're Div- division three you're there you're playing lacrosse or whatever sport it is at that college so it's it's more of a job and you understand that it's year round
0: right and you know you're old enough to understand the fact that you know you love the sport you're dedicated dedicated to it you're going to put in the work year round. If you don't want to, if you're like, well, you know, I have the ability to, but I don't want to, don't play. Yeah. Like, that's just a simple, you're not going to want to be there. Teammates and your coaches aren't going to want you there if you're not in love with the whole process. So, exactly. so you know, sophomore year, getting that national championship. The following year, so following September, now you got that chip on your shoulder, right? Now you want to defend that title. How was uh? How how was that off-season before the season started, your junior year?
1: Toughest ball I've had by far.
0: Really? <laughs>
1: uh, we had a small senior class, so I was a junior, and uh, we didn't really establish much leadership in the first month, and kids were getting in trouble off the field, on the field. We had a couple – we had 4 a.m. runs just for punishment. Like, just the wow. coach was on the sun head, and uh, it wasn't until – Second week of October, we uh, we did this thing called the program. And it's these Navy SEALs, ex-Navy SEALs come in, and they put you through physical and mental challenges for two days. And it shows a lot about the leaders of the team. And they assign a new guy for every assignment. And me, along with two other guys, a sophomore, junior, and senior, uh, were elected captains. So it was the first time we ever had a junior captain, let alone a sophomore captain. Oh, wow. But it's something that we needed to – to figure out who the guys we need to look after and who is gonna hold each other accountable.
0: Yeah. And um, I'm sure that experience was just insane dealing with those guys. You kind of see, you know, what you and you know what your teammates are made of. Um, what were some like activities they had you go through quickly?
1: Uh just something like you you carry a log as a team and mm-hmm. you have to carry it the perfect way and the perfect distance. Set it down and then do whether it be burpees, sit ups, push ups. But you all had to be in line. If your your feet were past the line, like that, you're lined up on to run or whatever. Starting yeah, over.
0: Completely,
1: yeah. So oh, it's wow. just it's all about those little details and and the small things add up.
0: Yeah, and you know, as a as a group, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Exactly. So and then so after uh, after that experience, you had a tough fall, but then you know you guys you know, obviously came together in the end. But how, uh, how was the start of the season? How how'd you guys start out?
1: Uh, we started out, had a couple wins, and I think it was the fourth game of the season. We, we dropped one to LIU Post. And they're a good team. They actually, their face-off guys set the NCAA record against us. And oh. he's now playing in uh, the professional league, kind of tearing it up there. So that was a big part of it. But uh, we went out, we lost that game had to turn it back around and we ended up losing two more games before the national championship, which was the most games that a team has lost that has won a national championship in division two history. So and it's th- three so losses, three losses. <laughs> That's the <a> record. <laughs> there, uh, no, four losses. Sorry. Four. That's okay. Losses, and then we lost one in the any 10 playoffs. Oh,
0: okay.
1: So, so the conference playoffs and it just showed that we kind of battled a lot of adversity that year. And, and uh the tournament run was awesome because we we came in as a sixth seed and as i said before there's six teams from the north six from the south so we were the, the last seed in in the tournament oh. in the north so completely different from my sophomore year where we were number one seed kind of barreled through everyone it, yeah. it was a, a tough road
0: right so a couple losses six seed coming in um you Guys, just get hot at the right time, or you kind of like you, you knew how the team could play and kind of everyone was uh, clicking at the right time, would you say exactly? Yeah, and so was that so? First off, quarterfinals or first round of playoffs, who'd you play? Mercy Harris. Mercy Harris, How was uh, how's that game? Uh, final was 15 to 5. 15 to 5, okay, so pretty so- solid win, and then. So did you just took that momentum and then kind of carried it to, would that be the semifinals in that next round? Yeah, so the next round we played uh, at a Delphi, And I'm trying to think of the score of the game.
1: I, uh, it was a two- or three-goal game, though, so it was a close one. Yeah. But it was good to get that win. And uh, meanwhile, we've been on a bus for this whole thing. And it was during finals week, so everyone oh, yeah. was taking finals uh, in the hotels. And we <laughs> drove from North Andover, Mass, which is north of Boston, to Erie, Pennsylvania, to play Mercyhurst, then drove to Long Island to play Adelphi. Then uh, we came home, and then a couple of days later drove to Syracuse to play Le
0: It's a grind right there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, now, a lot of hours. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like it. So um, then the championship. Who? Uh, who did you play, and what was the score, and what was that game like? Limestone. So oh, we, Lime, uh, That's
1: right. So it was cool because. They had announced that that was their last year in Division Two. So this past season that got cut short, we were actually in Division One. The whole yeah. school moved up to Division One, And uh, so it was kind of like our last chance to make a name for ourselves in Division Two. And we went ahead. We beat Delphi, who beat us in the regular season. We beat LeMoyne, who beat us in the regular season. We in the tens, And then now we play Limestone, who beat us our freshman year in the national championship. So it, oh, it was wow. the perfect redemption and, uh, we ended up being them 17
0: to eight. So, Oh, wow. That is, that is cool. Kind but Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> that's cool. Kind of, and, uh, the division two era. Um, and that win was probably, you know, probably a little, maybe a little sweeter because of the adversity you guys have gone through kind of like, you know, getting that last seed and kind of working for the championship. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. My, uh, that was my coach's biggest thing too. He called us, he deemed us the Six Train because he's from Long Island. And yeah. I guess uh, in New York City, there's a train called the Six Train.
0: <laughs>
1: he, he loved that, so it's actually a, it's we got shirts with Six Train on it, and oh wow, <laughs> it was a whole thing. So yeah. it was fun.
0: No, that's cool. A little uh, team camaraderie there. Um, so you're gonna play senior year at Merrimack. Unfortunately, season gets canceled because of, you know, COVID, what's going on here, Um, but then you got drafted to the MLL, which stands for Major League Lacrosse, right? I'm just assuming. Perfect. Um, So, can you, before we talk about the draft, can you just explain the league to us?
1: Yeah, so professional lacrosse is in a really interesting point right now. So, Major League Lacrosse has been around for 20 years, uh, maybe a little more, and uh, it's been established, but it's never really skyrocketed and gotten too popular. And uh, last year was the first inaugural season of the Premier Lacrosse League where uh, Paul Rabel, who was the most well-known lacrosse player in the world, um, he went ahead and started it with his brother. And now they have two leagues competing. So the Premier Lacrosse League did a draft tonight only for guys that are definitely not returning to school. Okay. And Major League Lacrosse did a draft last week in a different style where they did eight rounds and now they can hold the rights to players that are going to be back in college next year.
0: Okay. So that was um, leading me to my next question. So, um, you know, you go 44th overall to the Connecticut Hammerheads. So, and then um, once I saw that, I saw that just recently you committed to play your last year at Virginia, right? So you're going to, what made you choose, you know, playing last year of college rather than going right to, the professional league. Like, did you have that option or were you kind of just planning on playing at Virginia before playing there? So I was originally planning
1: on going over to England next year and I was oh, going wow. go to I was gonna attend the university of Nottingham, get a one year MBA over there, continue lacrosse. It's not the level of lacrosse over here, but it would have been a great experience to travel. Still playing. Yeah. Obviously with everything going on, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and the fact that NCAA granted another year of eligibility. I really wanted to take it, but, uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of guys, my, my good friends, seniors are kind of moving on from Merrimack and I kind of wanted to look at other options and see where I could get my master's in the United States while playing another year of lacrosse. And I went through the whole recruiting process again, which was yeah. really interesting doing it as a 22 year old. it kind of just made too much sense at the end. So uh, I'm really excited.
0: That's cool. Yeah. That's an awesome opportunity. And it's, It's, uh, you know, good that the NCAA is granting the extra year for those athletes in the spring who are, you know, affected by this. Um, You know, you have people say, like, well, you know, how many athletes are going to take advantage of that? Because, you know, some of them, a lot of them are graduating, you know, you don't want to wait a whole nother year. But, you know, and you're, there's a lot of guys with scenarios like you going on to grad school, and this gives you a great opportunity you know, to compete for a national title at the D1 level. And, you know, you know, you got one more year of college across, and, you know, playing in college is the experience of a lifetime, you would say, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, it's cool too because now I get to step outside my comfort zone and, and go to a whole new school, make new connections. And uh, at Merrimack, I was captain junior, senior year, and obviously had a great relationship with the coaching staff there and kind of was able to write my own ship, and now I'm going into a program that doesn't know me. I don't know them. and get to try to make a name for myself.
0: Yeah, man. That's, that's very exciting. Um, You know, before we, uh, before we wrap it up, so you're going to play this final year, next year at Virginia, you know, wish you the best of luck. And after that, you're going to go play for Connecticut for a little bit.
1: Yeah. So it'll either be them or possibly the premier lacrosse league. So depending on, and how next year goes, and and whether I get drafted or how it all plays out.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah, I didn't know. So, oh, you yeah, have that option too. Nice, man. So you're kind of just playing it, playing it by year or playing it by year and seeing, uh, seeing what happens. That's cool. Um, couple wrap up, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: couple wrap up questions uh, for young lacrosse players. You know, kind of growing, going through the process. Let's say you know, twelve to fourteen year olds. Uh, any advice to those players? Uh, I would just say keep your stick in your hands at all times. <laughs> really, <Yeah. laughs>
1: I, I feel like especially development now, uh, you get recruited so early. Uh, some of those top schools, just, they have created some some rules to make it later. And personally, I didn't physically develop until I would say after freshman year of college. But the one mm-hmm. thing that I'm really trying to focus on right now is fine-tuning my stick skills and getting those to the level that they should be at. So. If I was that age and and could just work on my stick all the time, that's what I would do. And uh, for the for the kids going into the recruiting process right now, as someone that just came out of it for the last month as a twenty two year old, I would just trust the process. I, I came into the process. I had three schools on my mind. Uh, one of them I really wanted to go to, and I was really upset that they decided to go elsewhere. And all of a sudden, this opportunity at Virginia popped up, and you kind of just the relationships that you make with the coach and the vibe that they give you and how excited they are to have you and not how excited you are to go there means a lot. So just trust the process and have fun with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Have fun with it. You know, don't give up. but you never know, like you said, what's going to pop up. Um, Would you uh, change anything about your lacrosse career growing up? I wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't change anything. That's, that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. I definitely learned a lot from this interview about, you know, lacrosse and the process. And like I said before, you had so much success and um, that's, you know, because of your dedication, because of, you know, like you said, trusting the process and kind of just buying in once you get into a program. So, man, this was, uh, this was unreal. Um, you know, people who are listening are going to learn a lot. So I appreciate you coming up. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. It was good catching up. Yeah, man, it was. I'll have to talk to you soon. Definitely. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good one. Once again, I'd like to thank Charlie for his time and for that interview. It was, it was unreal. He did a phenomenal job explaining his experience with cross. you know, the pathways he took to get him to where he's at now. And just to hear his overall story was you know very cool and it's going to be very helpful for younger lacrosse players coming up kind of unsure what to do you know just like charlie said work hard you know get your name out there and trust the process so a few uh, takeaways i had from his interview um, one of them being what i just mentioned trusting the process i kind of saw that as you know, never giving up as well. I know it's kind of cliche, but it's true because, you know, he had some opportunities that he was excited about that that fell through, but he still, you know, he didn't give up, didn't quit, and he got that opportunity to play for Virginia, which, you know, arguably one of the best college across teams in the nation. So trust yourself, trust the process that you're putting yourself into, you know be patient and you know keep grinding do not give up secondly I, uh, another takeaway was the showcases and um, just getting your name out there like I mentioned previously I mentioned it in episode 2 um, you know my goal is to encourage athletes to get out of their comfort zone and you know for a lot of people that can be attending showcases they can be intimidating you heard Charlie say they have 50 to 60 college coaches there. You know, you got some of the best players in the region going to these showcases. Yeah, it can be intimidating, but that's how you're going to get noticed. That's how you're going to get recruited. So get out of your comfort zone, work hard, get to that showcase, and, you know, show what you can do. You never know. it could be a difference between playing college lacrosse or not. You know, playing D1 rather than D3. You, you never know. You never know till you go out there and try. So that was a huge takeaway that I got from uh, Charlie's story. Lastly, um, buy into the program. You heard him talk about their national championship runs, and he mentioned how the upperclassmen were so bought into the program. They trusted each other. They knew what it took to win. And they, you know, rode that, um, like theory. They rode that um, attitude the entire way. When you got, you know, a whole team buying in, um, they're going to, it's a tough team to beat. You're going to be competitive. You're going to win a lot of games and hopefully a lot of championships as well. So, once again, Charlie, I appreciate that, man. That was huge. That was. You know, I learned a ton about lacrosse and the process. I hope the listeners did too. And I think that's a, that's a wrap for episode three. Three again. Shout out Jamie Young, Fred Vegas Blue Devils. And uh, shout out John Klinberg, Dallas Stars. You know, if I had to choose a D-man to start a program between those two, I would 100% go younger. But... That's another story. Uh, The Next Level Podcast now has an Instagram page. So if you aren't following that yet, give that a follow. I'll follow you back. Toss you some likes too. I'm a good guy. And the Instagram name is Next Level Podcast. Simple, easy to remember. I also got a Facebook page going, Next Level Pod. All right, shoot me a like over there. Uh, you, You can catch the episodes there, some posts, maybe some inside stories. You never know until you go and like it. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at CoachHarper96. I will post episodes from the Next Level Podcast and uh, pictures and videos from the podcast as well on that Twitter page. All right, the Next Level Podcast is available to listen to on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and a ton more. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Hope you learned a lot, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Take care.